Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Thank you, Adina. Give it up for her. Awesome, awesome. Um, welcome. I was having some feedback with my mic, but thank you. Shout out to Tony, always out fixing us. Um, we just got back from men's retreat, or actually I did. They're still up there, but um, what an amazing time it was up there. It's just great. I just want to do a shout out to you guys. Oh, you can see me right there. No. <laughs> um, we had like 350 guys up there, and it was an amazing experience. And I think what truly is amazing, um, Paul was sharing this in prayer, is just the amount of prayer that goes into an event. Sometimes I feel like we don't realize the magnitude of what God can do in the midst of our prayers. And so I really felt um, and I saw like the tangible ways that God was moving in our men up there. And I just think, man, with much prayer, power, um, it, with much prayer unlocks much power. So thank you guys for praying for our men. And um, we know that it's a sacrifice uh, for some of you to be without your man and doing everything you're alone. But uh, what a wonderful weekend it was up there. So um, I'm going to pivot a little bit today. And I shared a message up there. Uh, normally we've been in Ephesians. We'll kick that up next week. But I just want to pivot and just kind of share a little bit about what I shared um, yesterday morning. I know um, every time I come home from an event, um, there's differences between like guys and gals, right? So guys is, you know, like, oh, hey, you had a vacation. You're gone for a month. Oh, cool. How was it? Oh, it's great. I saw this and this. And then that's it. Like guys, that's, that's enough details that we need. But for ladies, well, tell me about it. Where did, where did you stop for gas? Did you get us snacks and this? And like, okay, so you might appreciate this because you're going to be like, well, tell me about the message, and I'll just share you the message, and then that way he doesn't have to go into detail. You'll get a little sneak peek of what we had shared. So um, this, this theme of the retreat was really all about restoration and upgrade. So this was the logo that we had up there. And I really appreciated it because it was really uh, very meaningful to me. It's something that I've experienced. It's like what I've lived in the last three years. So sometimes as men, we go in these, you know, gladiator, rah-rah, you know, stand up, take charge type of thing. But this, this had a little different feel. And I feel as if um, my life kind of experienced a transition these last years. And I think a lot of us have been feeling it. Um, just with COVID and just changes, and it really seems like our culture is kind of, you know, shifting a little bit. So I was really pleased to share this message, and the heart of this message was really that, that you are a value. No matter what the circumstances in your life are, God has a value in your life. And so I know for some of us here and those who are watching online, maybe you're really going through some challenging times. Um, maybe you are dealing with loss, and you're dealing with disappointment. Um, maybe you've had a loved one die recently. Um, and maybe I think as women, you guys are a little bit more in tune with carrying the weight of others. Um, you're really connected and you see the hardship and God's given you a spirit of compassion and empathy. And it just seems like you're looking at all these people around you who are you know, going through challenges and it just, you feel the weight of that. Um, maybe you're retired and things have shifted in your life. And you feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm trying to have a hard time finding my place. 
You know what? It seems like the church that I grew up looks differently. It seems like the people and the relationships, um, they've slipped away, and I just, I don't seem to have a place, or I'm struggling with medical things. One after another, I feel like I hit this benchmark, and once this is better, then I can start my life. And then once you cross that finish line, boom, you're hit with something else. And it's just like thing after thing. I know that's the story for some of the people here. Um, maybe you, you, you're seeing um, your kids and you're just disappointed um, with how things are turning out and you feel the weight of that. Did I, have I raised them incorrectly? Or maybe you're single or you've lost a spouse and you're like, God, where, where do I figure out my life? Where do I go here from here? And it seems like all of these things point to a reality that I'm not enough. That no matter I try my best, it seems like I come up short. It seems like there's more demands on me at work. And I'm not able to achieve this perfection level in my life. And I just want to tell you that that's not reality. Because what's true in our life is really what God's Word says about us. And so we're going to look at that, and we're going to see that we are valuable because, number one, God made us. And when we break and we are in need of restoration, God restores us, and that brings value in our life. And lastly, we're valuable because we're owned by God. When we submit our lives to God, I loved what um, Kristen, you know, shared. What a, what a great verse, knowing that he is our portion, that no matter how the world disappoints us, and it disappoints us consistently and constantly. Sometimes I, when things are going well, I just look around and I'm like, okay, take this in. It's actually working out. Life is actually working out in this moment because so many times I, I experience fewer of those moments than when things are not going well. But I'm not sure where you are today, but I just want to pray for us, and I just want God to speak to us. Can we do that? Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you that our prize and our future is in your hands and that we have a great expectation of heaven and for what you have for us. And that's a greater reality than sometimes what we experience this here on earth. And I thank you that our life is not just what we have here, but you have planned a home for us, a place for us beyond. And we thank you for that. And Lord, I do pray that you would help us to establish our value knowing that you are our portion. God, I pray that you would just encourage those. I pray your healing in this service. I pray for your healing um, in our mindset, Lord. If we need to renew, if you need to hardwire and you need to establish your word over our circumstances, we welcome you to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, you've heard this scripture before, but this is the truth and this is the reality that uh, in Jeremiah 1.5, it says that God has formed us in our mother's womb. He says, I knew you before you were born, and I set you apart. That you are not a mistake. That you were born at the right time, at the right place. And we know that because God's design is perfect. God's design is perfect. Um, Ephesians says that we are his workmanship. And another translation says masterpiece or handiwork. We're something personal to God. And we're created in Christ Jesus for good works that God's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And that's what the world doesn't tell us. 
How often has somebody said, man, I just see that you are God's masterpiece. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> the world doesn't tell us that. Um, as a matter of fact, I feel like social media just is like this huge pipeline that reminds us that our birthday parties are not good enough, that our travel experiences and our vacation life is never good enough, that our marriages or that our parenting or that our church life or our spirituality is always falling short because all we see is just this highlight reel and we're like man that, that does not feel like my life <laughs> and you're looking at life on this four inch screen and you're like this i'm missing out my life is boring or things aren't working out or i i wish i had the money for this or that in reality you are god's masterpiece you are purposed for great things. And it's the world that wants to rob us of those experiences saying that you're missing out, that you're not good enough. If you were really good enough, you'd make a delicious dinner like this that's gluten-free, that has the right balance of carbs and proteins, and then you'd make this great dessert. When, when do you have time for that? It's unattainable. Um, I've shared this story before, but I think it's kind of a neat story um, that truly we are God's masterpiece. And I think this story goes to show that n we, not only um, do we not feel that way, but often we're not recognized. And so here's the story I demonstrate with this. Um, it was a story that was, uh, it was an episode of the Antique Roadshow, and this was one of the top most expensive items found. It'll be here up on the screen here. But if you haven't seen the show, it's um, these people who bring these, like, uh, maybe family heirlooms from grandma or great-grandma, and it's a painting or a statue or something like that. And so they take it to this antiques dealer, and they're hoping that it's worth priceless amounts of money. And oftentimes they, they leave very disappointed because it's not worth anything. <laughs> um, but in this one case, this was a different scenario. In 2012, this librarian showed up with a Barbara Hepworth bronze sculpture. She had no idea what it was worth, but she did know that this famous uh, sculpture had donated it to the school at St. Ives in England before her death in 1975. And she told the tale of this piece and how it sat on the teacher's desk doing the duty of a paperweight. And she showed it to these uh, antiques dealers, and they were shocked. Did you guys have a photo of that up there? Um, they were shocked because it was worth so much money. It was worth $981,000, almost a million dollars. It was like this weird green-looking thing that's about the size of a cantaloupe. And they're just like, I can't believe that you have this. And so the, the teacher brought it back, and the school's like, we can't even afford the insurance on this anymore. Like, it's that valuable. And so now it's in a museum, and um, she, she commented that it was the most expensive paperweight ever used. <laughs> And I think there's some reality in that because I feel like sometimes we feel like a paperweight, like we're just taking up space, that people don't recognize the giftings that God has put in us. They don't recognize the unique qualities that are in us. And sometimes they just don't know what to do with us, so they just are like, here, just be this odd-looking paperweight. But in actuality, we're priceless. And the reason that we're priceless is not because of what you do, not because of how your kids turn out, not because of what you know or who you know, but it all boils down to this piece was priceless. It was so valuable because of who it was made by. 
and you were made in God's image. And God does truly make things perfect. Some of you are like, you know what, I feel like I get what you're saying. Like, I know I've, I've lived the Christian life, but my life is kind of in shambles. Like, I don't feel like I'm valuable. I don't feel like I'm a masterpiece. I have aches and pains and hurts, or relationships are broken, and I just need restoration. And I invited them in, and I'm going to invite you too, that God is a God who restores. He does. And when you think about that, who you're restored by truly matters. Because you can fill your life with things of this world that might satisfy briefly, but when you humbly say, God, I need your restoration work. I've tried to live my life, but I need your help in this. Who restores you truly does matter. Does anybody watch uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines? Yes, there was less hands in men's retreat because... <laughs> Anyways, um, they, they're a couple that became famous because in Texas, they began to renovate homes in Waco. There's a picture of them. And um, they're so popular. Um, they have this huge place in, in Waco. We were actually driving through, I think, St. Saint, Saint something, Fort somewhere in Texas, and we're like, we gotta go down to Waco. So we actually took three hours to drive there and back. We went to Magnolia Farm, saw the whole thing. But apparently, you can Airbnb one of their houses, and it's for a reasonable price of only $9.95 a night, plus, you know, cleaning fee and two-night minimum. So if you really want to experience their uh, renovations, you can do that. Um, they helped a house, uh, the Meek family. Um, the Meek family purchased this uh, house in Texas. Um, it was on a big plot of land. It had like 16 acres. They purchased this for 180000 It was kind of a cool barn house. Chip and Joanna Gaines, they went in here, they remodeled everything, and the house appraised for $400,000. Um, in the last couple of years, they listed this house for $1.2 million. <laughs> My point is, is who remodels you and who restores you matter? Has anybody ever restored a house? Redone a bathroom. Okay, there's a couple of people. I know I did. We, we added a bedroom. And when I sold my house, nobody cared that Sean Lind restored this house. <laughs> because I don't have a famous TV show. And it clearly did not list for $1.2 million. I wish it did, but it did not. You see, when God allows you to be restored, it matters. And it brings value. And again, I... I'm very sensitive because I know there's a lot of hurts and I know there's a lot of brokenness and you just feel like, man, I've been praying for God to restore me. I know I'm saved. I know things, but like, it, it just feels like I see loss and brokenness in my life where I turn to. I was sharing um, my message with the guys that kind of plan out the, the men's retreat and John Wallace said, oh, have you ever heard of this thing in Japanese? They, they you know, fix pottery and it's a process that's called kintsugi. Has anybody ever heard of it? You might have. Okay, a couple of people. Um, he told me about it, and I did some study, and I'm like, oh, man, I totally got to share this. But what this is, it's the art of repairing broken pottery. So apparently this emperor had this um, pot that had a lot of sentimental value, and so he hired somebody to make this pot whole and to strengthen it. And um, there's a picture of it here, not the actual pot, but this is the technique. And so what it does is it embraces the imperfect. And I think as the American culture, we don't really value the imperfect. We, in, we value the pristine, the factory new. 
But this is a technique of restoring broken things. So instead of covering up the flaws, uh, Kensuji beautifies the breakage. And they use this special lacquer to repair the cracks, and then they cover it um, with powdered gold, and it literally transforms the object into something a lot stronger, but a lot more special and beautiful. And the restoration process, it's quite a process. It takes over three months to turn something broken into something beautiful. And um, what's interesting about this process, I learned, is that when they put these pieces back together, the lacquer that's used to produce comes from this indigenous tree in Japan. And they extract this, they, ex they take, extract, that's not the right word, extract, thank you. <laughs> they extract the sap from the tree of this, um, of this Japanese tree. And when they do, it's almost considered the blood of the tree. And so the tree gives up its life to make this sap that holds together this pottery in this special process. And what I think about is the process believes that our scars shouldn't be hidden, um, but it can be a birth of something new. And I just wonder if that's how God views us. Like he sees us and he, he shapes us in our mother's womb, but he also sees the span of your life. And he knows that this is not a perfect world and he has compassion when things fall apart. He has compassion when, when people hurt you or when you suffer loss and hardships and it feels like your life is falling apart. And I think what's cool is he sees the whole process and he, he says, you know what, trust me along the way. And he begins to reshape our life. And he, he glues us together and he puts such a, a beautiful way of allowing the potter to be glorified. And when I see that pottery, I... I think, man, it's so beautiful, and what makes it beautiful is our, our brake lines, where that gold powder is there, because it, it says, you know what? <laughs> Imagine our lives being matte. We are truly to reflect Christ. That's what the Bible says, and we can truly be tr trophies of God's grace, and so the shape of us is impossible to see sometimes until we're fractured. Because when you go through hard times, when you go through cancer, you have such a great, more empathetic character towards people who are going through that. When you go through somebody who's lost a child, when you've gone through uh, a job that you thought was going to be there and now it's not there, God begins to put compassion in you to love others who've gone through that. And truly, it's a beautiful, beautiful process. And I think that's why Paul boasted um, in Corinthians, he says, God, I'm hurting. I have pain. I have challenges. And you know what God's response was? He says, my grace is all you need. Sometimes that's hard to grab a hold of. But he says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. And so Paul says, okay, I'm going to be glad about boasting in my weakness because I need God's power to work in me to get me through this. I mean, Paul is like the superhero of Christian faith, right? It's, it's, it blows my mind in Timothy where he says, hey, look, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the leading. I'm like the best sinner there was. You don't see that in a politician. Hey, vote for me because I defrauded most people. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's so contrary. 
But I think Paul understood the secret that in my brokenness, in my weaknesses, the glory of God is seen in my life. So if you're broken today, it's okay to be vulnerable. But live life wholeheartedly because God's grace can be unlocked in that way. And I, I shared a little of my story there at men's retreat. Um, and I, I think um, early on, you're like, okay, great, this is wonderful, but how, what, what's the nuts and bolts of how God transforms us? And the scripture that's one of my favorites is in Romans 12, 2. And it answers that in scripture, so I'm thankful for that. Like, how, how does this transformation process go? And it gives us a tip. It starts out and it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And I think that is phenomenal advice, especially in today where you can see the best highlight reels of everybody's life on social media and you feel less than. Or you compare yourself and, oh man, they look, they look better in the dress than I do. Imagine living life, and I, this, is my, this is my prayer and my goal for our kids, is like I want them to live content. What a life to live. Imagine how, how freeing a life of contentment would be where you, you're not comparing my weight with others. You're not comparing my gifts with others or the places I've been or the people I know. Like what an amazing freeing thing. Like that is great. So he says in this transformation process, don't look to the world, but let God transform you into a new person. How does he do that? He changes the way we think. How many people love the updates that you always have to do on your phone, right? There's so many updates, and every app has an update, and like you don't know if it's going to take all night. You, you just have no idea. Well, same with us. We need space to connect with God. He needs to download in us, and he changes the way we think. That's how this transformation happens. And then you will learn God's will for your life. I think about, man, I just stewed over God, how do I know your will for my life? What's the will of God for my life? Has anybody asked that question? You guys aren't even with me. Uh, every hand has gone up. I know that. <laughs> Everybody says, what's your will for my life? And I think the best advice is just, just relax. See where God's moving, and then just jump in that area and help. And it'll, it'll come to fruition. But when you do understand God's will, and you begin to see the pieces of your life come together... You're like, wow, now I do see that your plans and purposes are good for me. And they're pleasing and they're perfect. And so I shared my story at men's retreat, and, and I've shared some pieces. But um, there were some times, I think, as a, as a man that I really felt less than. I remember um, just starting out in life um, in high school. Um, I actually even have a little picture of my freshman high school picture. We don't have that picture. Never mind. It's not up there. Well, that saves me a lot of embarrassment. Good. <laughs> but I look at the, the picture of my high school, and I think, man, that kid thinks totally different than me. Like, I understand that scripture when it says he changes the way that we think. Like, man, I, I thought way different in high school. The things that were important to me there are totally not important to me um, now that I'm in my 40s. It's just how, how things go. But when I started out, I wanted to be super successful. I graduated high school, moved here to Phoenix, and 
um, that's what I wanted. I wanted success and money and stuff and things. And um, I was actually quite successful. I bought my first house when I was 20 years old on Alma School in Warner. And I had uh, three bedrooms. I rented the rooms out. And I was living the life. Like, they covered my rent. I was my own boss. I had my real estate license. I was doing deals. And I'd go to church. And I just thought, man, this is great. You know, I, I had my life. And I began to buy more homes and, um, you know, do real estate. And, man, God, God really blessed me. I was really successful. And I, I remember it like in my 30s, I, I had a, a spreadsheet of all the homes that I had. And sometimes we had partnerships, so I'd had the percentage of the home I owned, what the rent was, how much equity. And I just thought, man, I could retire soon. And I just felt great about it. Like, look at my life. I'm doing so good. <laughs> I appreciate that laugh from Garnett because he's in the real estate market. Um, so ended up, you know, marrying Susie, and she thought, man, this guy is wealthy and rich, and I'm going <laughs> to, this is great. Well, then a little thing called 2009 hit, <laughs> and I was quite humbled. Um, as a matter of fact, God really began to, to shape my life to where I thought, you know, you know, stuff isn't all that important, and I really began to turn over and submit to God. And we had an opportunity to serve in Thailand. And so um, about that time, we just really felt like we need to sell everything and really, you know, serve over there. So I was thankful because I did start seeing the real estate market shift. And so we lease purchased our homes and sold stuff and moved over there. And then we realized that my wife was pregnant with my amazing daughter, Lily, here on the front row. Um, but that really turned my life upside down because we were supposed to be there for a long time, and I knew coming back, I had nothing. I remember all of my stuff fitting into a hall closet, like, that's all I have. And that was an amazing experience to go through that. But we came back, and 2010 hit, and everything was, was just gone. Like, my fancy sheet, it, the problem with real estate is it doesn't go to zero. It goes to negative. Like, there's such thing as liens and judgments that they collect from you. I remember two days after Christmas, we went to check our bank account, and it was zeroed out. Like, somehow I got a garnishment from a house that, a short sale that went through. Weird. And I just thought, I, I remember we came back, and I lost all of my investments. All of my savings was flushed away. And here I thought I was going to be in Thailand with a house and set financially. And I think it's different as a man. You carry this responsibility, like, I need to provide and lead for my family. But I was crushed. We came back, and I just, I remember weeping. And I'm like, I am giving it all I know to do. Like, I'm giving it my best in life. And my best can't even provide for my family. And I was broken as a man. I was just weeping. And I says, God, you have to make a way. And God did make a way. <laughs> we ended up in an apartment just straight down here. It was like a fancy, brand-new luxury apartment, and we got to do mission work. This was a, a faith-based program where we would do community events and pray for people, and it was an amazing experience that God just put in our lives. Our rent was 250 bucks, and we just survived somehow. Like, I remember going to the office to, to file for food stamps, and I just thought, I am pathetic. Like, Susie didn't marry this man, and my life was just like, man, I'm broken. And I know that you've experienced that. If you haven't, I hope it doesn't happen, but there's a good chance that life will just knock you down. 
and I became less more prideful than I used to be. I thought, man, my advice means squat. I don't, I don't have life figured out. And I, I kept my faith in God. And I think that's my next point in kind of closing this message down is the best thing to do when life hits you and it's beyond what you can handle is to really keep your faith in God. Because who owns you? You can run your life and you can manage your life, but when you put your life in God's management and you allow your life to be owned by him, it really brings value and it brings the best. And so um, to kind of pivot, um, we'll make a little fun. Are you guys ready to participate in church? Okay, now, I'm sure that um, Lori is keeping tally, so... Um, if not, heaven will, heaven will keep tally. So this does count. This does count. This is a game. So these are famous items. Get this. Famous items that people have owned that have gone to auction. So it's a multiple choice quiz. Don't get panicked. But the first item, do we have our slides or no? Okay, the first item is a pair of Air Jordans worn by Michael Jordan in 1985, and he signed them. These shoes went to auction. Um, was it A, for 130 7,400, B for 560, or C for 583,500. Okay, so hands raised high. Who says A? Mm, two people. Okay, who says B? <laughs> who says C? Okay, where's all my B hands? One point B, one point B. Okay, <laughs> here we go. We got three more. You can come back. Uh, next item. Here's Michael Jackson's famous white glitter glove. Who knows this? Okay, be honest. Did, did you guys ever have a knockoff one? Thank you, Sally. Me too. I remember wearing that to fourth grade. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> okay, so the Michael Jackson glove did it sell for 38000 Who says that? Who says B126? 126000 Okay, we have one vote for B. Who says C? $350,000. Okay, C's. You got a point. One point C. Okay, next item. This is one of my favorites. This is the Darth Vader helmet from Empire Strikes Back. Ooh. Did this sell for 898400 Who says A? Who says B? $1.2 million. A couple B. Who says, you know what, I don't even think this ever sold. Okay, where were my A hands? One point for A. One point for A. Okay, last item. Here we go. The Babe Ruth bat that was used to hit his 500th home run baseball. It was signed by Babe Ruth. Did it sell for auction at 230000 Who says that? One million. One million. Okay, and final C, 1.4 million. Okay, a lot of Cs. Where are my Bs? One million. Did anybody get four for four? Oh, there's somebody back. Congratulations. I think you get points in heaven. I'm not sure. <laughs> the reason I show these things is if I were to try to explain this to somebody from, let's say, Thailand, up in the northern tribes, he would just be, like, awe-shocked. Like, $1 million for him is just crazy. But you're thinking, okay, let me, let me explain you what happens. There's a 30-year-old pair of shoes with Sharpie marker on them that sold for like 350000 And then there was a glove, not a pair of gloves, but just one glove that sold for 560000 And then there was a helmet that doesn't even protect your head that sold for like almost 900000 And then there was a stick. 
get this, that was designed to hit a ball, this stick sold for $1 million. And they'd be like, America is crazy. <laughs> they would have no understanding of why the stuff sold for what we do. But as Americans, we're like, that is cool, right? We understand the value. You know why this was important? It's because who owned it? Imagine your life where you're surrendered to God and you said, God, you manage my life. You own my life. It makes me think of that parable um, where Jesus, um, the, the Pharisees go to him and they say, hey, is it lawful to pay taxes? Remember what Jesus does? He says, give me a, give me a coin that, that's used to pay taxes. And he holds up this coin and he says, whose image is on this coin? And they say, Caesar. And so his answer astonishes the Pharisees. He says, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God's what's God's. Well, if you were made in God's image, you bear his signature. It's Babe Ruth just signed that back. But you have the living spirit of God in his image. Imagine if I had that baseball bat <laughs> and I pulled out a little power sander and just started sanding off his signature. Like already you're just like, oh. <laughs> but I think the heart of pastors and the heart of parents, like when you see people and they're, and they grind off God's signature. They begin to believe the lie that they're not special, that they're not made in the image of God, that their life doesn't matter, that, oh, it's so much depression that it's like everybody would be better off if I wasn't born or if I didn't live anymore. That grieves my heart because you're made in the very image of God. And what matters is what somebody will pay for things. That's what establishes value, right? But you think about how much God paid for you. He says, I've formed you. I've made you. I knew you were going to fall. It's okay. My grace is sufficient. Actually, my power works better when you trip up. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay the highest price. I'm going to give my one and only son to die on the cross for you. Because I love you and you're worth something. I hear your prayers. I see your tears. You matter to me. And you have great plans and purposes that I've exclusively made you for. Don't give up. Somebody paid a million dollars for a stick. <laughs> but God paid the highest price for you. So I just say don't give up. And my final advice is found in Hebrews 12. Um, it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, imagine the bandstands of heaven, and they see us, and they're cheering you on, and they're like, don't give up. When you're broken and when you don't know what to do, when your marriage is struggling, when your finances are struggling, when you're in between jobs, when your parents, when your kids are making bad choices, when, when everything is lost, it says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Don't get caught up in the sin in that scenario. Instead, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And I just want to remind you that you're not alone on your journey. Whatever you're going through, somebody cares for you. And they've gone and they've been where you're at. And so finally, verse 12 says, take a new grip with your tired hands. I'm glad, I'm glad he uses tired 
because we can be tired at times. But he's saying, hey, hold firm to your faith. Strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. So I want to remind you that you are valuable, that God has paid a great price for your life. And if you, you are in need of remodeling, that's God's specialty. He's better than hiring Chip and Joanna Gaines. <laughs> and if you feel like, you know what, I'm a demolition job and my life is in pieces, God can form you together. I think about that tree that gives up its life to join the pieces. Isn't that what God did? He gave his life so that we could be made whole. And he seals us. And he writes, us, writes our name in the Lamb's book of life and says, don't be discouraged. I have gone to prepare a place for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you um, that you have called us your children that we are co-heirs with you, that we are not forgotten, that we're not abandoned, and that our value as your children is not based on the factors and circumstances that we are in. God, I thank you that your grace is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Be the pioneer of our faith, and for those who are going through a difficult path, I pray that you would mark out a straight way, that you'd keep us from sin, and God, I just submit our lives, I, I submit my life to your lordship, because you are the best contractor, you're the best daddy, and you're the best manager of our lives, of my life, we thank you so much, in Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this last song, if you want to stand, great. If you just want to sit and be still, just let it be an anthem and a declaration that God does bring new wine.